Abstract Athlete Podcast, a collision of art, sports, and science. Welcome, everyone. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. To our sponsors, our listeners, thank you for your support. Questions or comments, please send it to info at theabstractathlete.com. A reminder to listen to our other podcast that we have on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge Podcast. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms and you can check out our websites. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, for information on subscription boxes and on upcoming events and workshops. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms. Really excited about the podcast today as I speak with an incredible photographer, a diagnosed with bipolar disorder and host of Still Focus podcast, Alan Shearer. Going to chat about his life journey and his battles with depression, addiction, and bipolar disorder. Also going to talk about his incredible photographs and picking up photography and exercising or re-engaging exercise that he truly says saved his life. Make sure to stop by his site, alanshearerphoto.com, and you can also follow him on Instagram at alanshearerphotographer. Let's welcome Alan Shearer. Totally. Forget to do these things. I like that you're rocking a Red Sox hat, although I'm a Met fan. So, um, sure. My grandfather played for both of them. So, yeah, no, I I thought was actually really cool. I remember. um, I'm recording, by the way. I start jump right. Sure. Um, That's funny. Um, I remember because you did uh the podcast with Tony, which um we produce and stuff and put out. And I remember um doing a little back back search about it because Tony had mentioned that, and I was like, oh, that's cool shit. So are you a big baseball guy? I mean, I used to be, Yeah, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not as big into professional sports as I used to be. I, you know, for a long time there, it was, it was everything to me, you know, right. sports was, was everything to me, you know, uh, watching it, playing it, um, dreaming of it. Right. You know, it, was, it was, uh, yeah. it was who I wanted to be. It was what I wanted to be. I, I wanted to be the center fielder for the Boston Red Sox, you know, yeah. and if it was just baseball, I think I, I think I'd still be playing out there, right. but, um, you know, life, life throws you all these curveballs. Life throws you all these things that you need to take care of, even though you don't want to. And, and I wouldn't change my life now for the world. I right. just wouldn't. Right now. I think, you know, I, I'm glad you reached out because I do think, I mean, your story a is very powerful. Um, and it fits really completely into what we do at the abstract athlete talking about the importance of a physical exercise and a mental exercise, your mental exercise. And we talk about creativity. Yours, yours happens to be photography. And, you know, I think just like 
going immediately to your to your site, alanshearphoto.com, um, like the first thing you basically say is photography saved my life. And you literally mean that. And that's what we, we try to preach is that really having a creative practice, and we talk about a physical practice as well. But I think, you know, in society, I think we talk way more about like exercising the body every day as as something that's needed, but we don't talk about the mental exercise, the fit, you know, the, the, the creative exercise doing that daily as being so beneficial. So I, I definitely want to dig into how a, how you got into photography, but also it sounds like you really, you said, I think in that, that opening statement on your page, you say you bought a pair of running shoes. That's that same day. And you like, you really dedicated yourself to the physical and mental almost simultaneously. Well, I, I think we really truly forget that we can't give eight hours to somebody else and then not give ourselves at least an hour, you know, and it doesn't matter if it's physical or mental or spiritual. We, we can't give everything to everybody else. We can't, well, we can, and we try to, because we are brought up where we're supposed to do something for somebody else and hate ourselves. And it's like, you know, excuse my language, but it's, it's uh, fuck you, love me. No, no, it, it, that, that is a total backwards way of doing it. If you don't know yourself, if you don't understand yourself, if you don't appreciate yourself, and if you don't put time and effort into yourself on a daily basis, if that's not your practice, you can't be there really for someone else because you don't really understand what that is. You're always trying to surpass somebody else's needs, but you don't even know what that means because you don't do that for yourself. If you don't have a, a, a conscious understanding of who you are, what you need, and how you can best, in a healthy way, share that with someone else. We can't save somebody else's life but we can support them while they learn to help and save themselves. Right. Now I, I, a hundred percent agree with you. It's, it's, it's always kind of a do as I say, not as I do right. almost. And I, I actually talk a lot about this with students and stuff about the loving yourself and understanding yourself, but I don't think most people do that. I think most people jump into relationships and then they think that everything is going to be okay when they're with somebody else, you know, and it's like, it's, it's a strange phenomenon, but they never really truly take the time to understand themselves, to take care of themselves. And it's, it's, it's kind of bizarre to me in some ways. Well, uh, we have to think about the dysfunction we grow up in and yep. the dysfunctional world that surrounds that. And then the outward thing of society, what society, what kind of pressure is society putting on us to be this thing, to be, to be a square peg in a square hole when we're not right. We're never going to fit into that mold We're we're completely unique individuals built up by all of the triggers in our life. All those things that trigger us to try to be something for somebody else so that they will love us more than destroy us, right? So that they will pay positive attention to us more than negative attention. But that doesn't work that way because we don't live in a society where everything's functional, where you have a role, 
right? Where your role is told to you when you are out of the womb, right? And I think it all comes back to the fact that we're not owned by our parents. Like our mother owns us for nine months, right? And as soon as we come out of the, out of the womb, we don't belong to our parents anymore. We belong to the world. And what kind of example is being set for us so that we're more prepared to battle a world that's not prepared for us? And, I, you know, it took me 37 years to figure that out. It took me 37 years to, to, to be able to look at myself and say, I'm not, I'm not my circumstances. Right. I was for 37 years. I was trying to be, I was trying to live up to my mother's expectations for all the men that hurt her, as opposed to realizing that I was the man that wasn't going to hurt her. I was going to battle her for her. I was her biggest fan. I was her biggest friend. I was, I was, I was not, unfortunately, I was not the smokescreen she would put up every day. I would always see through. You know, and, and I think that that once I had a voice in my head, it became hard for everyone to be around me because I was always looking for the way to solve the problem. I was always looking for the way to find the truth. And when you're doing that and you're asking these questions that nobody has answers to, and I think it started when I was little, I think I was like four and a half. And I said to my mom, you know, why isn't it? who I am as a person that counts far more than how much money I have in my pocket. And she couldn't answer me. And, and I realize now that it is that it is what you do on a daily basis to battle yourself better. So you can battle the world with more clarity, more understanding, and ultimately more kindness, right? We can all get bitter. We can all continue to be what the world asks us to be, which is, truly insignificant, right? We, we don't need to be egotistical. We don't need everything. We need to find those things that truly matter to us and put ourselves in situations where that is far more important. Like I would like to make a million dollars from my photography. Like I would like to have one of my pieces be in every single person in the world's home. Why? Because then that makes me feel like that work mattered. And it, can be part of somebody's life where they look at it every day and get something new from it. I really, that's what it comes down to. You know, for most of my life, I didn't think I mattered. You know, for most of my life, I didn't think I was worth a damn because I could never, <laughs> I could never get that positive attention from the people that I needed it from. So I turned to, to sports, the place that I could fit, right? The thing that my family did do with me, you know, and, and my, 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 my godfather is married to my aunt Doreen and he taught me to throw a baseball, right? He taught me to, to spin a basketball on my finger, to shoot a jump shot, to, to throw a football, to, and then all my other aunts and uncles, you know, my mom's the oldest of Jim Parasol's nine kids. Uh, her life wasn't going to be any different. Um, she was searching for love from, from men, the wrong men because her father couldn't give her the love and support that she needed, but his father couldn't give him the love and support that he needed. So it's just a vicious cycle, right? I, I broke it. I broke it. Like, it's an amazing thing to me every day. I look at my life. How did I break it? How is that possible? Why am I different? Why can I do this? I, I'm in awe and amazed every day at what my life has become in the past 11 years. I still don't get it. Right. I still, I'm still in awe of the things 
I've allowed into my life that scare me the most. Love. My wife loves me completely, sincerely. And she tells me and she shows me and I'm not used to that and it's not okay with me. And well, that scares the shit out of you. I, I get that. It, I mean, I, I have a hard time being touched. I, I, and it starts with my mom. She overly touched me and it wasn't like, it, it was my response to it. Right. It was, my, it, it was all of those things led up to me being a person that is totally afraid of love is totally afraid to be touched is totally afraid to, to allow love in. But the greatest thing I have is the vulnerability to, to get out of my own way. Now I, that, for the most part of my life, I was in the way I, I thought I should so be the you, center. You were basically setting up roadblocks. Yeah. Like right, right. you were and like, I, and I you were sabotaging, sabotaging. I, I mean, I get that. I, 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 I personally sabotage relationships myself um because of everybody in my family is divorced except for my little sister and you know like both sets of grandparents which is pretty astonishing for that eight that time period that both sets of grandparents were divorced and stuff and my parents divorced and and so i get that idea of setting up roadblocks and sabotaging things because it's like, well, this will never work out. There's not, there's no possibility that somebody could actually love me like that. <laughs> and that's the way that I, I, I feel a lot about it. Well, I would just make sure that I got rid of them first before yeah. they got rid of me. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. Being manic depressive didn't help. Yeah. Right. Everything had to be wicked awesome or everything was wicked terrible. Right. There was and the greatest thing in my life now is I have balance. It's a, Things that took me weeks, months, and years now take me moments to get over or a day. How, you know, like, so, so, you know, again, like looking at your, you know, the, the, I guess the bio or your like homepage and, you know, like you, it almost feels like you had like this epiphany in 2010, 10. 2000, 2010. And, and can you like describe that? Cause like, how did you, like you were you came from an athletic family. So like sports was obviously really huge. Like we just started at the beginning and you continued that in terms of like, you said you like started running basically that, that time period, but how did you get into photography? Like, did you have any, any like creative outlets growing up? I mean, where- I, you know, as a kid, you're, tra- you're, you're doing everything, right? Yeah, as a yeah, kid, yeah. You, yeah. you got markers, you're drawing, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you got pastels, you're doing, you're doing whatever, right? It's like, but it never, it was not a, it was not as, there was not as much clarity of what photography was going to be in my life at that point. Right. I always had cameras. I worked for Ritz camera. I sold cameras to people. I looked for the, the easiest camera for people to use so that they would bring their pictures back and talk to me about it and not be bringing the camera back. Cause they didn't know how to use it. Right. That was at the beginning of, <laughs> so that was at the beginning of the digital age in 98. Yep. Right. And, and so you, you're looking for something where it's going to be easy to use. They're going to be able to get that photograph they're looking for with the least amount of turbulence, right? With the least amount, I always picked Canon over Nikon because I just think that Canon was A plus B equals C and, and Nikon was more of, you know, it seems like they, they were like uppity, like their nose was up a little bit at it and you needed to know more technical skill to to to, to use a, a Nikon camera. And, and so I 
I latched on to Canon because I, I wasn't as as uh, savvy when it came to that sort of a thing, but I understood what a photograph was. I understood what it was to get that snapshot you were looking for. You know, I always took photographs. You know, when I was 12 years old, my my estranged father sent me money for Christmas and I, we went to Bradley's and I got a Kodak disc camera. Like, because <laughs> oh, yeah. it was interesting. It was different. I've been different my whole life. So you're always looking for that. That's something that's a little bit different. And so the Kodak disc camera was completely different. You know, it yep. wasn't the 120. It wasn't the 35 millimeter. It had a little, you know, it was, it just looked a little bit cooler. And it, it was one of those things that I was always, you know, trying to take photographs, always trying to, to be someone that mattered in my family. I tried to be someone who was an asset as much as I possibly could. I wore every hat I possibly could. I walked on all the eggshells to try to make people happy. I, I did everything in my power to, to uh, live through the delusions of grandeur. I was having that I could change these people's hearts. Yep. And that was my goal was to play center field for the Boston Red Sox to sign a major league baseball contract so that I could hopefully change their perception of baseball. Hopefully I could change their perception of men. Hopefully I could change their perception of what I thought their perception of me was. Um, and so I was, <laughs> I had really big delusions of grandeur that, that I was going to be able to accomplish this because I loved these people. These people meant the world to me. These were the most important people. I'm the oldest grandchild, right? You know, it all started with me, right? It all started with being born into a family with seven girls and two boys as my, my mom and my aunts and my uncles and having a father who was more in love with my mom's last name than he was with my mother, uh, abusive alcoholic, uh, his father was an abusive alcoholic. My grandmother shot him in the chest with a revolver to protect herself and the children. Um, uh, if you look at my family tree, I should fail. Right. If you look at my family tree, I should be exactly where they are, fumbling towards mediocrity, fumbling towards uh, self-destructive behavior. And that was me until that day in 2010 when I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, there's got to be more than this. This can't be why God saved my life when I was 11. This can't be why I'm still here. This can't be why I'm blessed to have all these opportunities in my life. And I said, is this all I have to offer myself? Is this all I have to offer the world around me? And thankfully I was like, fuck no, let's do something. Let's, I have no idea where I go from here, but it's my responsibility today from now on what I can control. I can't control my past. I can't control the circumstances that weren't mine in the first place, the struggles, the suffering that I was born into isn't my fault or my responsibility. I was just born into this family. What can I do differently? What do I have control over? What is my responsibility? How do I hold myself accountable? And ultimately, how do I hold myself at fault if I choose not to do something in a more healthy way to feel better being here? And first of all, I had to come to grips with it's okay not to feel okay. Yep. It's okay. It's okay yep. to have feelings. Yep. Right. We there's reasons we have feelings and there's triggers that 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 create the uh, emotional response of those triggers. Right. So we're sad when somebody dies. We're sad when we break up in a relationship. We're sad when people don't talk to us. We're sad. You know all these things. All right. So, but. It doesn't mean that's our life, right? We, we, we own our feelings and emotions. Our emotions and feelings don't own us. 
We only allow them to, we give them control, right? Control. There's only one sort of control and that's self-control, right? A lack of it or the ability to understand how to control ourselves better, how to police ourselves, how to be our own healer, right? How to be our own teacher, how to be a better listener, how to be a better mentor, a better friend, a better son, a better brother. That's our responsibility. We don't owe anybody an explanation for what we've been through. We don't owe ourselves an explanation. We don't need to satisfy who we think we should be. We need to get out of the way and allow ourselves the room to struggle, the room to fail. How do we move, move forward in life? It's by dealing with the present, understanding that the past happened, knowing that we can't control the future if we don't handle what we're in right now. Is this a good idea? Where are we? You know, are, 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 it, it, you know, it took me, I'll be three years sober, August 18th, right? It took me being in better communities, uh, sober communities, helping people in recovery to learn that I could recover from the one thing that I had the hardest time recovering from. And that's putting an alcoholic beverage to my lips to make myself feel better because of all the time and effort I put into the world around me. But it, for you, it seems like it was a process. Cause again, you said you started 10 years ago, kind of on this new journey, new path or, or, I don't know. I don't want to be that dramatic, but maybe, I mean, maybe it is that dramatic. And it is. So, so it's like you started with really that the epiphany, the looking at yourself in the mirror, starting to run, starting to, starting to take photographs in a real important way. Like, like, like you said, it changed your life. And then you got to this point in 2018 where you decided that no more alcohol. Like, so it sounds like it was kind of like, I'm going to get myself healthy physically. I'm going to get myself healthy mentally. Then I'm going to get myself clean. Is that, I mean, is like, is that like, is that, it's like almost like a stair step in some I, I wish I had that much. <laughs> I wish I had that much clarity for what today would be. I can't tell you that on January 4th, 2010 at 1035 in the morning, I could tell you that 11 years from then I would be here right talking to you you know talking about my art talking about my creativity talking about getting out of my own way talking about allowing myself to be loved let love in which is uh the greatest gift you can give yourself is allow people to love you allow the people to to support you allow people to pick you up when you fall down uh not try to do it all by yourself so like, right in 2010, first it was a pair of running shoes. And I went to the I went to uh, Sports Authority, bought a pair of running shoes, went to Workout World, got a gym membership. I was 250, 260 at the time. I weigh about 185 right now, right? So that was the beginning, right? The physical was the beginning. The emotional was going to get better because an active body helps create a common mind. So get out of your own way, get out of your own head, start to create something, start to create a place of value for yourself by moving, right? Get out of your house, get out of your room, get out of your way. And so that was it, right? So I 
I bought a mountain bike as well. And I, I rode, um, for MS from Quincy mass to, to Provincetown, 175 miles in two days, uh, 40 pound mountain bike, knobby tires. Uh, people with MS don't have a choice. I could have put regular road tires on it. I was like, no, they don't have a choice. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to suffer through 175 miles, uh, raise money and fairness for people in my family. Uh, my, my aunt has MS, my brother's, uh, mother-in-law has MS. My father-in-law has severe MS. Um, so that was, I mean, I didn't know that it was going to have that much of an impact in my life other than I knew my, my aunt had mild, uh, the beginnings of MS then. And, and I wanted to do something to support her. I wanted to do something to support this. And now it's a major thing in my life is, is trying to support my father-in-law who has been in a wheelchair for 20 years now or around 20 years. And it, it's to the point now his body doesn't work, his mind and his heart are great, but his body is, is completely shutting down. And so it's, there are bigger things than me. I think that's what it comes down to. There are bigger things than me. I just wanted to give myself a chance to be able to support other people because I wasn't continuing to destroy myself in the process. The way I was destroying myself was to destroy my demons, destroy my fears destroy my limitations, just destroy, uh, my lack of self-worth, my, my lack of value. And so in January, when I got that pair of running shoes, I got the gym membership and I started moving. I was working at a, uh, a French bistro in Harvard square, like right across the street from Harvard. You know, you hope you get a little smarter by just, just kind of being in the area. <laughs> right. And so, you know, I used to wait on, uh, Senator Warren all the time. And, and so I was there and, uh, actually, my my general manager actually went went to high school with my brother on the Cape in Barnstable, and so she was talking to one of my coworkers, and he was telling her that he was selling a Canon Rebel Rebel XT digital camera, and I wasn't really paying attention. I was walking by them on my way to the kitchen to get something, and before I knew what I was doing, you know, it was like like God said, "This is this is what you're going to do." And so the words that came out of my mouth, "I'm buying it," and I was like, "What the hell did I just say? What?" <laughs> Right. I think the next thing out of my mind was, I'm not quite sure I have the money to buy that. <laughs> you know, I think that might've been the, 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 the broke server, right. right. The broke <laughs> server in the back of your head. And the next thing she said was Alan, don't worry about it. We can take it out of a couple of your paychecks. And I knew it was the right thing. You know, I knew it was the right thing. And, you know, he goes, Alan, I don't have a, a lens for you. You're going to have to go to, uh, hunt camera and video and, and, and buy this 50 millimeter prime lens one eight F stop. Uh, it's only a hundred dollars. They call it the plastic princess for a reason. It's a, it's a cheap lens, but it's got really good glass and it will help you learn to take photographs. And that was the greatest thing. I, I allowed myself to suck. Like I didn't yep. know, I, I, I just started shooting and I do, I shoot everything and anything in hopes that I'm going to capture something in a unique way that makes me happy and makes somebody else who looks at it happy, mad, whatever, getting, you know, some kind of response from somebody else. As we know, art is all, all perspective from that person that's looking at it. And so I, I, I didn't have any idea or wondering or thinking of that. I was going to be a professional photographer or that I'd have my, my work in museums and that I'd have my work in Santander bank locations, um, big, big as a, a room itself. I, ne I never put myself in a position to, to be that much of a failure. I put myself in a position to fail. 
I gave myself room to grow in doing so. Like you're not a failure if you fail. You're a failure if you don't try. Absolutely. Well, and it's interesting because you as a baseball guy, I'm a, I'm a baseball guy too. And I, I talked to my students about this a lot. And, and just in general, it's like baseball is a failure based sport. I mean, if, if you're succeeding 30% of the time, you're a badass, right. you know? And so like, I think for me, art is also a failure based thing, but I don't think failure is a bad thing. I think failure. No, but I just think we use that word wrong. Right. Wrong. Exactly. I think we use that word wrong. Absolutely. Nobody's a failure if they're trying to get better. You're only a failure if you stop trying because you don't think you can get better. Yep. Right. Failure and failing are way two ends of the spectrum yep. that we use the word failure so much. Right. And we use the word normal so much and it doesn't actually give us the opportunity to be more normal or to be more successful. If we're putting these limitations and we're trying to be around peg in a round hole when we're actually a square peg trying to fit ourselves in a round hole because we keep thinking that we're supposed to get somebody to love us, get somebody to appreciate us, get somebody to give us attention. No, the greatest relationship you're ever going to have is the one with yourself. So the longer you wait to develop that relationship with yourself, the harder it is going to be to become your own best friend instead of your own worst enemy. Yep. And so creativity I think what photography did was got me out there. I could just go out there, right? I, I, I didn't need to necessarily be around people. You know, my social anxiety was, you know, kind of a, a big thing for me. But getting out there with the camera, especially in the city of Boston and its surrounding areas, I was able to get to know myself. I was able to get to know my city. I was, I was able to learn how to frame things, how to, how to make it so it wasn't just me that was going to enjoy something. That The subject, I learned about subject. What's the subject? What am I wanting you to look at? How am I wanting to present this subject to you? And if you go you know, to um, my, um, yeah, my, my website, alanshearphoto.com or if you go to my art pal online art gallery art pal forward slash alan photo you can really dive into how i see the world how i choose to see the beauty in the world how i choose to see the extraordinary in the ordinary yep right it's it took it was about i'd say there's I have probably 500, 600,000 usable pieces of work. I get that, man. Like, I mean, it's I, amazing. Yeah. It's you, amazing. You have that same kind of idea. I, I'm a painter, but I, and it's based on landscape and, and it's based on baseball, like archaeology. I love that idea of what archaeology means. And so I actually drive out West. My business partners, um, two of them live out in Colorado. And for the last 18 years, I drive out West and I just take thousands upon thousands of photographs. And it, I don't use them necessarily to look at when I'm painting, but it's that experience for me. Like you, you said, you just take pictures and you just hope that one's in there. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I just like, I just love paying attention and looking and for me being out in that open space is is i gravitate towards that but i just literally 
every trip I got there, I'd come back with like five, five to 8,000 photographs in a two week trip. And it's, and, and it, it, it's, it's just like magical to go back and look at shit, uh, for, and, and I, I print, print them off, you know, it's, I print them off and put them on the wall and it's just more for inspiration in some ways, but I know that those photographs also are in me. So they come out in my paintings and it's just, I recommend that everybody goes and buys a damn camera and just does, does what you say. Your phone now, Ron. Yeah, I you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's true. You don't even, you have it, you yeah, have it I with know. you at all times. Yeah. Like it's, you, it, you just have to give yourself a second to look around and, 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 and realize that you can create something beautiful in yep. your pocket. Yep. Right. And you can share it automatically. You can share it right away with the whole world. Like I built IG central mass, because I was living out here in central mass and nobody was highlighting this area. And I just actually shut it down after four years because I'm going to be moving to New Hampshire. So I started a new one called IG photo friends. And actually there's no limitations to whose work I can share. I would rather share somebody else's work and highlight and empower who that person is. Right. We, we forget that the photographer is a person. It's not the picture. It's what that person is. Why are they taking this photograph? Why does this matter to them? Why are they sharing it with you? Why are they putting themselves out there knowing that rejection is possible? Like my biggest fear in life is rejection, but I'm not going to stop trying to show you that you shouldn't reject what I have to offer with the camera and without it. What I've gone through in my mental health journey, what I've gone through as, as a survivor of um, suicide at 11 years old. No, no 11 year old boy should be thinking about killing themselves. They should be out there riding their bike, playing with their ball. You know, where's their glove? You know, I used to sleep with my gloves, sleep with my football. These things were really important to me. And, and when, when I didn't feel loved, it was time to go, you know, God saved my life. I was gone for about three minutes and he asked me, what are you doing here? And I was like, there's no love. And if I'm not loved, and I can't love because they keep pushing me away, then what good is being alive in the first place? Why am I taking up space? I'm not going to take up space. I'm not going to be abused for just being myself, for, for caring and sharing and, and, and being who you asked me to be when you gave me this spirit. And he said, he said, that's why you can't come back. That's why you're not done yet. That's why you are here. You are important. He goes, your balls are too big. Your balls are too big, Alan. You, you're too bold. You, you care too much. You're looking, for, you're looking for a better way. You don't want it to be just what you see, just what it is, just what you feel. And so it was hard when I, when I came back and I came to him. My mother was standing over me and I had used a karate belt. And if you've ever seen a karate belt, they're a week long. Yep. But I made sure that I wasn't coming back. I made sure that... It was over. Like I had come, I had come to the conclusion that I wasn't loved, that my mother didn't love me, that she didn't know how to love me. And, and, uh, it was, it was, I wanted to go home, you know? And, and when, and when I was in that, that space, there was no, you know, death, death isn't for the dead. <laughs> death is for the, for the living to, to, to comprehend what, what they're missing now, what's, what's not in their life any longer. But, Death is actually a gift. You don't just get to die. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter why that person dies. Like there's a reason for it. There's, there's a cause and effect reason for death as much as there is a cause and effect reason for life. Life is a choice. It's not a requirement. You are not required to live. 
You are not required to be here. You know, it's a choice. It takes a conscious effort. It doesn't take a conscious effort to be an asshole. It takes a conscious effort to overcome being an asshole so that you might actually be able to care about someone who may not be able to care about you. And I think that's the one of the biggest conclusions I've ever drawn is that nobody knows how to love me. Right. Nobody knows what I'm thinking. Nobody can read my mind. It doesn't matter how many conversations I have with myself in my own head. Nobody else is hearing it. The only way for someone else to understand you is for you to be able to communicate to them so that they can understand it. Communication isn't enough. They have to be able to comprehend what you're saying. And most of the time, people can't. They're not available. That doesn't mean you're not worth it. That doesn't mean I'm not worth it. That just means you're not in the right place for that person, right? It's like when something comes your way and you're not prepared for it, you don't even know it was there. Until you're ready for something, it's not going to be on your radar. You know, in photography and, and overcoming my past and deciding not to be a victim of my past anymore, until I was ready, until a person is ready, it's not going to happen. We can't expect somebody to be on our timeline. Yep. It doesn't work that way. Where I'm at, most people aren't. My self-awareness, most people don't have the amount of self-awareness that I have, but that doesn't make them any less worth my time. That doesn't make them any less worse, worth their time. We just need to have less expectations and be more grateful. We need to be more grateful and that we're blessed to be here, that we're blessed to try something, that we're blessed to have an opportunity to overlook what we think our life should be so that we can actually allow our life to become what we had no idea is possible. And that's my life. That's, that's where I'm at. You know, for most of my life, I had really bad relationships with women because of my relationship with my mother. It took a lot for me to allow my wife, Elizabeth, into my life. And I didn't even know she was going to be anything more to me than a friend. Because until I stopped trying to dictate my direction and started to allow myself to appreciate the things that were in my life. And having Elizabeth be my friend first helped me realize that I'm worth being loved. I am worth love. I, I don't have to sit in the shit. I can get out of it. I can get out of it and I can live. I can live my life. And now I've given myself the permission to put my work out there to be bought by people. You know, the hardest part now is you know, when I go and I look to see if there's been any sales and there aren't any sales, it hurts. And it's not even the money. It's the fact that the work is worth it, right? right? The work is worth your money. And I don't make it so it, you know, I wish I, I wanted to charge more. I would rather charge less and have more people have the opportunity to buy it than to have it priced higher. So only a few can appreciate it. Like you don't, you can, you can spend 50 bucks on something of mine, or you can spend $10,000 on something of mine. That's not the point. The point is, I've given myself permission to be ripped to pieces and shreds because the work isn't getting bought. I mean, thousands of people look at my work from around the world every day through Art, through Art Pal, which is an amazing free uh, website for anyone who's an artist. You can put as much, I've I put over 2,000 images up there, and they don't, if you want your work to be at the top, you pay 99 cents per image. 
to have it at the top so it can be seen right when somebody clicks on to ArtPal. But if you don't want to pay any money, your work still can be there and you can highlight it for your friends and family and your network. It's the greatest thing. Like, and so it's like, I want other people to be able to put their work up. I love looking at other people's work. That's why IG photo friends is so important to me is I like to look at people's work and share it so that somebody else who might not even be able to see this person's work gets an opportunity to see it and build a community of like-minded people, whether you're a photographer or a photo enthusiast that we can build. I wanted to take a quick second to remind everybody to stop by Alan's site, alanshearphoto.com. And you can also follow him on, on Instagram at alanshearphotographer. Also a reminder to listen to the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandrich podcast. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, and you can check out our websites. Now back to Alan. sound but you you seem extraordinarily happy and and, and i mean that in a in in, in a positive because again i think from where where you came from and what you went through like i think it's it's just it's nice to see like you have like a great energy about you um and i i you know i it's difficult to be vulnerable and it's difficult to be honest and just, and you do like you lay everything out there, but I do think that like you do, like you it feels like you're just happy. And it's the that, hardest is, time in my life run. Yeah. We had to sell our house because of COVID yeah. we're living, we're living in my, 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 uh, in-laws basement. Right. It's the hardest time of my life. I wouldn't change it for the world. Right. I mean, is that, is that a, a fair assessment that like, yeah, okay. no, I'm, yeah. I, I mean, I, like I would like things to be better and I know they're going to get better because I'm going to allow them to get better. Like being on your show, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of people who are going to check out my work and, and are, you know, they may not buy it. They may share it. They may talk to me about it. They may, you know, get a, have a story about a certain place. I took a photograph of, you know, I try to photograph every place that I go, you know, from Cape Cod to Boston, to Philly, to Austin, to LA, to Santa Monica beach. It doesn't matter. I think the greatest thing I can do is touch the next person. I think that's why it makes me so happy, Ron, is that I was look, so looking forward to be here on this podcast because it's the two things in my life that matter the most to me, athletics, fitness, and my creative side. The most important thing to me is touching that next person who may not think they're valuable, who may not think it's okay not to feel okay, right? We, we have feelings and emotions for a reason. We just can't stop trying to feel. Nothing, we're never going to stop feeling. The, the question we need to ask ourselves is why are we feeling that? What is the root? We got to stop looking at the symptoms and trying to self-medicate because those symptoms are too much. We need to actually learn to heal ourselves by looking at the root and asking ourselves the one question that matters. Is this actually my fault? Could I do anything to change this? Most of the time the answer is no. And if the answer is yes, all right, okay. So what can I do differently? My life is... What can I do differently? What can I do? I don't need 15 minutes of fame. 
I don't need to be the center fielder for the Boston Red Sox. I need to be here in my shoes, on my terms, in my time, and allow myself to share that as vulnerably as I possibly can, because that is my greatest strength. What I've been through, my circumstances are different than yours, but I understand your pain and suffering. You don't need to suffer so much. Yeah, it's truth. It's if you truth. touch a, if you touch a hot stove, you're going to leave your hand there. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, yep. some of us do though. Yep. Yeah, because we want that pain. We'd yep. rather that we know the pain, right? Okay, so I think that's the biggest thing I learned is we've known how to suffer self destructively through pain. The pain is not going to change. Our perception and our reaction and our response to the pain can be different in a more healthy way. How do we get through it? How do we use that pain to ignite us in a positive way moving forward so that we can touch ourselves in such a way that it can rub off on somebody else, even when we have no idea it does? I'm thinking about like your photographs, like this may be a two-parter kind of question, but do you have anything? Cause you know, you, you did say, I like to go out and just take pictures, but do you have like specific things that you like more than others? Cause you know, look, looking through your site, like you do, you do portraits, you do landscapes, you do modeling, you know, like you have a, a very wide, huge portfolio, which is awesome. I mean, is there something that you, if I could do anything with my life, I would like to be, a professional sports photographer okay. and portrait taker. Right. Right. So be in the studio taking awesome, intimate portraits of athletes, no matter who they are and be on the sidelines, capturing those moments that you'll never get back. The diving catch, right. The, the, whether it's on the football field or the baseball field, the center field are going over the fence to get it. And you just happen to hit the shutter at the right time. You know, I don't like to use rapid fire for one reason, because if I catch the shot, I want to know I caught the shot. Right. I don't want to just put the sh my finger down on the shutter because I I'm not that type of a photographer. I mean, if I'm working for ESPN or I'm working for sports illustrator or something and, and they need that shot, then it's not for me. And it's a different story, right? It's about getting that image. That's going to hit the cover of the magazine, or it's going to hit the cover on the website. Like I want to be able to help. I like shooting everything because I know that I'm not good at most everything. So that if I'm doing things, I don't want to limit myself to say, I can't do this if you would like me to do this with my creative edge. I would like to build a living so that my wife doesn't have to work again. She's been supporting me for the past six years. I've been a stay-at-home dad to her, her son. And it's, that's the greatest gift I can give is helping a boy navigate in a world in such a way that I never had the opportunity to. Right. You know, So we always talk about, is this a good idea? We always talk about, Think about things before you do them. Right. You know, unfortunately, I've, I'm an old soul and I've been aware for a long time. When I, was, when I was four and a half, I had to save myself and my sister from a car fire that I started. Wow. Uh, 77 VW bug with polyester carpeting on the ground. <laughs> and, I remember those. <laughs> and so my mom was going in. We were in Brooklyn and uh, we had moved there because she was chasing my brother's father. And 
she ran in to say, hey, that she was here to, to, to have her interview for a dental assistance position. And she left me and my sister in the car and I was a little pyromaniac. So I went in her cigarette case and I lit the match and it got me on my thumb. And I just let it go and I looked down and it looked like it went out. I can't say it was maybe 30, 45 seconds later. I mean, polyester carpeting goes up like a, a son of a gun. My sister was one and a half. She was in her car seat. And I look underneath, I hear crackle, pop, pop, pop. I look underneath the passenger seat and it's a blazing inferno. It wasn't like it had just begun. The, the sucker was, if I didn't do something in that moment, we were dead. Yeah. And it never, it's never dawned on me to be scared in the moments you probably should be scared. I looked at my sister. I said, well, honey, I said, Allison, the car is on fire. I got her out of her car seat, put her over my shoulder, walked over the, the, the seat that was on fire and just got out of the car. The, 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 the more chaotic the moment is, the cooler, calm and collected I get. And even as a four, four and a half year old boy, that's been me. That's amazing. I mean, that's crazy to think about that. Can you, like, walk vividly, the can, Brooklyn. can you vig- vividly like see that? Oh yeah. I can, I can picture it. I can picture it like it's yesterday. It does. It, it's, it's never dawned on me to be scared in the situations that matter most. Who I, I'm always interested in, in, um, when I talk, you know, have people on the podcast, like who's inspiring to you. Cause again, like for me, like I, I, I exist in so many multiple worlds. Um, you know, athletics arts um, i sing as well so like i have like you know willie mays to me was you know like my my hero slash but you know i grew up with daryl strawberry like daryl strawberry at the time um was too like and so i have like my sports people i have like my art people um i mean i have people that are not in my world just like people i look up to like and inspiring and, and i'm always just curious like how how people respond to that because I feel like sometimes I'm surprised by the answers, which is a good thing, you know, like who, who deep down is like these people that I mean, I mean, my, my, my biggest, my, my biggest mentor has always been Jesus Christ. Right. I've never had a problem with God. I've never had a problem with his son. I've had a problem with people, you know, <laughs> God hasn't forsaken me. Right. If I could live my life every day doing what Jesus would do, caring, sharing, accepting people as they are, not as I would like them to be. You know, I suffer, I suffer from foot and mouth disease a lot. Uh, I suffer from too many expectations based upon who I am as a person. Nobody's like me though. I can't expect anybody else to be like me. I am completely unique. I am a completely unique human being. I've been saved by death a few times, saved from death a few times. And if I don't leave this place better than I found it, I didn't deserve to be here in the first place. And I, and I, and I, my biggest fear is success based upon what society says success is. My greatest strength is realizing I'm already successful in ways that nobody, nobody can applaud me enough and nobody can take away from me who I've become. Right. who I've allowed myself to become my, my greatest, 
mentors these days are photographers who have taken time out of their lives to to be there for me to support me to share with me uh since the beginning um there there you know it's like i never had a, a mentor growing up i was always looking for someone to support me and i realized i had to be my mentor i had to be my father figure i had to be the example i had to be my own role model but it's really great that something that i chose to pick up and that i i chose to learn how to be proficient in and make a little money doing has rubbed off on some really talented people some really talented photographers who make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year if not millions creating things to help people in professional lives i haven't got to where i'm going yet i am just getting started with who i want to be when i grow up <laughs> but I don't want to be any different than I am today. I would just like to make a shit ton of money using it as a tool to help other people. Right. Which, which I, is, that, is that something like you're interested in, in teach? I mean, you, you do have like a, a teacher kind of energy about you, I guess is the best way to say it. Is that something you ever considered? Is like going oh yeah, no, I, I consider it all. I just I haven't necessarily felt like I was in the position, or maybe I, perhaps I wasn't ready. I'm open. I'm open to everything. Like I'm open to collaborating with people. I'm, I'm opening to be part of what other people do. I'm I'm, I'm open to be part of what you're doing. Um, I'm I'm open. I I'm not the kind of person that is ever willing to say I know enough. I've done enough. This is it. I'm the kind of person who wants to learn more, share more, be an example for more people. We have an opportunity through this podcast, through every podcast that I've ever been on, every podcast I've ever been hosting, to share something that might hit that tuning fork inside somebody and help them to realize that their life isn't over, their life doesn't suck, they're not worthless. It's not hopeless. There's life out there for you. There's life out there for you. We can't live in the fire that's destroyed us and expect that, expect it to heal us. We got to get out of the fire, get out of the shit, get out of the slop, get out of the dysfunctional relationships. Stop treating yourself like the dysfunctional relationship you have with yourself is healthy or all there is. I am a living, breathing example that it's not. And I'm more than willing to talk with anybody. Like when I say my door is open, my, my phone is on, my email is available, my Instagram, my Twitter, doesn't matter. You need to talk about something. It doesn't matter. If you don't feel good about yourself and you don't think that you can turn to anybody else, you can turn to me. And if I can't talk to you in that moment, I'm not ignoring you. I will get back to you. I will make an effort. Like, that's the thing. Nobody calls on me. I, it's like, it's the most important thing I have to offer is what I've gotten through to get to this point, to have enough self-awareness, self-control, self-love to shower that on someone else as well. I was going to ask the question, but it, it sounds like, I mean, 
you're very organic in in and not really there's there's no expectations for the future in terms of like i mean obviously you want to be more successful as a photographer like you said but the the idea of like where do you see yourself in 10 years is kind of open because i think i mean am, am i being correct because i think you have so much to offer and life does take us in different directions and i think it feels like you're just willing to go where it takes you, but yet still maintain who you are as a human. I right. mean, is that, I mean, oh. is that, is that, I mean, I, like, cause it is one of those questions that I like to ask and it, it sounds kind of stupid as shit, but like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I hate like those are stupid questions, but it's, it's fine. It's also, no, but there's no stupid questions and there's no stupid answers. It's yeah. like really what it comes down to. I, I love what, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. Said you don't have to see the whole staircase. Right. You just got to take the first step. Like we all fear the first step. You know, I've been part of the uh, McLean Hospital in in um, in Belmont, Mass., which is one of the foremost uh, institutions, mental mental health institutions in the country. Uh, I was part of their deconstructing stigma campaign. You know, that had Howie Mandel and uh, Rick Springfield, and you know, a lot of other uh, celebrities' stories, along with ours. Uh, everyday people's stories about overcoming mental illness, you know, and it's really the greatest thing we have to realize is that we are not how we were treated as children. We are not how we were taught to treat ourselves moving forward. We are who we allow ourselves to become by realizing that our story isn't anybody else's story. It's uniquely our own, right? It's what do we want to do on a daily basis? to make getting through the moments we're in less chaotic, less dysfunctional, less self-destructive. That's, that's the greatest gift we can give ourselves is, is to, to let go, let go of all the stuff you can't control. Be more gentle with the stuff you can control. And realize that we're all suffering. Right. Doesn't matter if you don't have any money or you have a billion dollars, you're still suffering. Your, su your suffering reasons are different, but the suffering is still the same. Dude, I, yeah, I, I mean, I just, I, I, I really like talking to you because I think you've been through so much. And like I say, or said earlier, like, it just, it feels like you're happy. It feels like you have this energy. This is why I asked about the, being the teacher, because I think you bring like an inspiring perspective, like, because you, like you said, like you tried to commit suicide, you were at the bottom and you went th through so much and you've come out on on top. And, uh, you know, like, it's just, it's one of those things where like, I, you know, I, I say this a lot to people that I have on the podcast and that we work with that. I think that their stories are helpful because they are inspiring, not, not just to like kids, but to adults as well. that can maybe understand a little bit more about like what you've gone through or what they've gone through or, or, or whatever. And, 
talking about like how photography or creativity came into your life and talking about how re-engaging your, your physical activities daily, it just, it's inspiring. And it, it, I, 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 you know, I, I like to say that your, your vulnerability is important because I think allowing people to hear the shit that you went through, but then like how you came out and then like just having this really positive attitude about it is, I think it's just important to like have these stories out in the world, you know? Um, and then to be able to go to look at your photographs. And again, like they're, they're just really amazing photographs. And, you know, I'm like, I scroll through it or scroll through it early and I'm looking at it now and, you know, just wanting people to like, to go look at that because I think that's also inspiring. It's just like, like you said, like, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing with a, with a camera at the beginning. And like you said, everybody has a fucking camera or a phone. Like you can do this. And it doesn't mean you, it doesn't mean you have to be a professional. It doesn't mean that you have to sell it, like do it for yourself. Like go out, take 20 minutes, pay attention, look for beauty. And and you know, there's a lot of Ron, there's a lot of beautiful photographs out there. There's a lot of great photographers out there. I think that the thing that may set me apart a little bit is my story. Yep. I think that why I, picked up the camera, why I chose to take a photograph, why I chose to sit down, you know, before I even found Lightroom uh, to creatively edit these things. So they, they stopped being a flat image and they became a work of art. They're not just photographs to me. They're, they're hours and hours of sitting in front of a computer, trying to bring you towards the light, yep. trying to show you why it's important to look in the shadows as well. Right. It's, it's it, the noise in a photograph can be really beautiful, right? The, the noise in life can be really beautiful. If you stop and you listen to the things in between the noise, yep. right? The sounds of the, the waves crashing, the sounds of the seagulls, the, the sounds of the airplanes, you know, the sounds of a drummer, the sounds of a vocalist, you know, the sounds, the sounds of the paintbrush on a canvas. They're all beautiful. If you allow them to be, so you're the you only to, thing you have standing to pay attention. You have to pay right. attention. Yeah, that's right. I think right. that's one of the most important, like I said earlier, it's one of the most important things about being creative or allowing yourself to be creative is just to pay attention. Like and that means like audibly, you know, like smell, sight, like all the senses, like be present. Yep, exactly. What, and, and just like maybe like wrapping up, but I, I know like you do have your own podcast as well, um, called still focus podcast. Um, you're still like still doing that, I assume. And most, well, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it right now because my, you know, my, uh, my microphone's in storage okay. and there's just been so much going on in life that I'm going to wait until I get situated in, right. in, uh, in New Hampshire before I start doing it again, but there are some really amazing conversations yeah. with amazing people who pick up a camera every day. And my biggest thing on still focus was to, to talk to, to photographers who are making a living, doing their job, helping people understand why it's important to pay photographers, what they're worth, because you're paying for, you know, you get what you pay for, but also what keeps them doing it. What, what, what are they passionate about doing it? Why are they still passionate today as, are they as passionate today as they were when they first picked it up? You know, my, my passion for photography is different now. My reasons for taking photographs is different now. I actually have to tell myself to go out and walk around and take photographs. Right. 
Um, but really, when it comes down to it, anybody can take a picture. It's a lot more to understand what you're doing to, to shape light. Really, a photographer shapes light. You're going to get the best image you possibly can from a professional photographer because they understand that they need to shape the light. Not everybody does it in the same way. Not everybody uses studio lighting, but that doesn't mean they're not going to shape the light for you to get the best image possible, whether it's a landscape or a corporate headshot. You know, it's, it's guys like Tony Mandarich, it's guys like Peter Hurley, it's guys like Robert Hare, and, and it just all of these beautiful, wonderful human beings who, who are powerful with studio lighting that made me want to learn how to do it myself. And it's uniquely how I do it, right? It's like, it's, I'm going to do it uniquely my own way, but I'm going like, I was scared to do it because I didn't necessarily have much of a background doing it. And I wasn't quite sure of how to get the job done because I'm used to using natural light. Right. I'm used to, you know, whatever, just, just being able to, to, to wrap the regular light, wrap, wrap the everyday sunlit or overcast daylight. But the greatest thing I learned is it's okay to be uncomfortable in the situation and learn. And thankfully I have two really good muses in my wife and my, my stepson who allow me to take their photographs and, and to learn from, from how to shape the light using one light or two lights or five lights or whatever. It's not how many lights you use. It's how you bring people to the light. <laughs> you know, and, and really when it comes down to it, I'm passionate about life. I want to share who I am with you. And it's scary to allow somebody to do that. I, I know it is. I know it's scary to allow someone to fill you full of light and love and hope. But it's the greatest gift I have to offer. It's the gift that doesn't cost me anything other than a conscious effort to share it with you. And that's what I try to do every day. You know, I've gone through the shit and I've come out clean on the other side, you know, and, and that's one of my favorite scenes in a movie is when Andy Dufresne comes out of the, out of the shit tunnel and cleans himself mm -hmm. off in the, <laughs> in the little puddle there and goes out and goes to, goes to Mexico and lives his life. Right. And then the other, other scene that's huge in my life is eight mile when he just beats the crap out of himself so bad that the other guy can't even spit anything because he's already done it. And I think that that's really what I've done is I've allowed myself to be vulnerable enough that you can't hurt me more than I've already hurt me, but I can help you heal. Hopefully a little bit sooner than I allowed myself to heal. Right. You just have to allow me in. I'm not going to hurt you. I may say something you don't like to hear. But what I have to say is something that ha can help you learn about yourself a little bit more, whether you use a camera or you use a paintbrush or you use a hammer or you use a, a socket set or you use your voice or your pen. We're all talented. We're all gifted and we're all important and valuable, even though we're in the way. At some point, you can get out of the way. At any point, you can double back. At any point, you can start again. At any point, you can give yourself permission to try something else. The only day you can't is that day you don't breathe anymore. 
Yep. Dude, thank you. I'm, I'm really glad you reached out. Um, like I said, you, you fit really right into what we talk about in, in the importance of, of, of these two, two practices, the mental and the physical. And, um, I just, I really, you know, like I said that before, but I really do appreciate how vulnerable and honest you are, because I think that that's important to let people know. And, um, yeah, I don't know any, any other better way to like end it than what you said, <laughs> you know, give each breath you take a chance. Yeah. Yep. You might, you might be surprised. Yep. Um, well, I, like I said to you the other day, um, probably releasing this like March 15th ish, maybe, sure. the, maybe the 22nd. Um, if you happen to have any musician friends that would want to lend music to it, if not, I always put music together. Um, but I always like to offer that to, to people just cause it's sometimes it's fun. Um, no, I, I think you, you do it. Yeah. Okay, cool. But like I do, I, like I, um, um, this has just been, it's, you know, it's, it's just been honest. And I, and I think that at the end of the day, you know, like that's the stuff that helps people is like people that are they give part of themselves or their full selves to, to what they're doing and how they're, how they're living your, their lives. And I think that you do that. And, and I think that the best way I can say it is it's just, it's appreciated because I think more people need to hear it and, and to be able to do that. So appreciate it. It's my pleasure, man. I'm, I'm really happy that I was able to be on the show with you yep. and then, I really appreciate your time as well. Yeah. And like I said, I'll, I'll put, put your website out there if you want um, me to put anything else. Um, yeah. Just, and, you can, you open. can throw my, the, the yep. handles up for Instagram cool. as well. So. Cool. Awesome. Have a great day, man. And, and like I said, it's, it's really, it's really fun to like, look at your photographs and, and, and chat and um, we'll, we'll circle back. Cause it'd be fun to actually have you involved in, in when we get back to the, this normal time we do, events and it'd be cool to have one of your photographs at, at, at sure. our event. I mean, anything, anything you need, anything cool. you need, cool. you, 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 anything you need, really, seriously. If you, if you come up with, you know, you think of something that I would, my, my point of view or whatever, anything, if you, yep. if, if my, if my, if my, you know, name comes up in your head at all, don't, don't hesitate to just reach out and we'll, we'll make it work. Cool. Awesome. Brother, have a great day and uh, we'll catch up soon. Excellent. Thank Thanks, you so man. Much. All right. Bye. Really, uh, you know, I just super appreciate Alan for coming on the podcast today. Uh, I can't say enough uh, about how much I appreciate how raw and honest he is in telling his stories. He really is uh, truly an inspiring human. Make sure again to stop by his site, alanshearerphoto.com. And you can also follow him on Instagram at Photographer. Do not forget to listen to the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C. You can follow us at theabstractdoctors.com or on social media under The Abstract Doctors. And One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandrich podcast. You can follow us at One Man's Ethos or you can check us out on all of our social media platforms. And you can also follow Tony at Tony Mandrich on Instagram or on Twitter at Tony underscore Mandridge, and you can stop by his website, TonyMandridge.com. 
Thanks for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and our social media outlets for future events, pop-up exhibits, podcasts, and other information, including daily creative training journals and subscription boxes. See you next time when we talk with artist, executive director of the NFLPA Professional Athlete Foundation, and former All-American and National Championship linebacker at Penn State and 10-year NFL vet and world champion with the Washington football team, Andre Collins. Thanks as always, and do not forget to exercise the body and do not forget to exercise the mind. Stay well out there.